Long days and pleasant nights to you folks. Haven't done that one in a bit. This week's guest is Josue Cardona. He runs a website called geektherapy.com where there is a discussion about geeky sort of pop culture stuff and mental health. So you can imagine why he was on this program. We talk about ADHD and a million other things, which is indicative of talking about ADHD and depression and getting help and coping and making choices and he's a really really kind nice like good guy to talk to highly recommend you look up his stuff um very fun very just a cool cat if you want to support us and the other podcasts that we're doing here um you can go to patreon.com slash wayward wordsmiths also i was on my friend ali matu's uh show the psych show on YouTube, you can go to youtube.com and put in the little search bar psych show. And I'm on the first two videos talking about bipolar disorder with Ali, who was on this program. And you can check out his episode as well without any further blithing, blathering, or bluthering. Here's the interview with Josue. Hello, Josue. How are you today? I'm doing great, Tristan. Thanks for having yeah. me. I, yeah, thanks for being on. Um, and you're in Puerto Rico right now. I am. Right? I am. Yep. So that's you are you win for longest distance of this podcast. Woo! All right. Yeah, you are a new record setter. Um, may I ask what you're doing there, or is it personal business that I shouldn't ask you about? Um, yeah, no, uh, I'm here. I was I was born here, and my girlfriend wanted mm-hmm. to come back. Uh, we had the unfortunate timing of moving back here two months before Hurricane Maria hit, and Yikes. Uh, yeah, that was that was horrible timing. But yeah, we came back mm-hmm. to be close to family, and um, and yeah, so I, I work from here. I'm doing. Uh, I'm freelancing right now. I work in in audio and podcasting. I also do consultation for mental health and psychology. Amazing. Yeah. Um, and a few questions. Like, what is it the, like, we've, at least for me, I've just been getting reports back of, like, statistics. What is it like in Puerto Rico right now? So the, the way I see it is that everybody in Puerto Rico, doesn't matter who you were, got knocked down a notch. And yeah. the people who were at the bottom are still without electricity and oh. are you know, having a really, really bad time. Everybody is just a little worse off than they were. So it all depends mm-hmm. on where you were when you started. And thankfully, I I live in the city. I'm right near old mm-hmm. San Juan. I My power never goes out. My internet is good. You know, I don't have to worry about mm-hmm. some of the things that there's still like maybe two or 3% of the island that's still, you know, dealing with, with the aftermath. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That sounds like kind of weird to view on a daily basis I'm sure like and the juxtaposition uh well it's one of those things where like you don't like everywhere where I am is it seems like it's back to normal okay. you know but uh in other yeah. in other parts of the island it it is not yeah but again yeah. but it's like it's the the poorest areas where the hardest hit and are taking the longest to recover you know mm-hmm. Typi- and... typical uh disparity at work yeah um but you were born there um did you did your family move straight back to the United States right away? What was the story there? Um, when I was two years old, my parents moved to New Jersey. And mm. then my parents got divorced, and I moved back and forth my whole life. Every couple okay. of years, I would go back to New Jersey, then come back to Puerto Rico. And then I ended up doing part of high school in New Jersey, finished high school here, then just went to college here. And then I lived, mm-hmm. you know, in the, in the U.S., different states, you know, after I finished college. Sure, sure. And what was that like growing, like going, flying back and forth? I mean, did you know, like, it's, kids are really wonderfully adaptive, like, this is just how it is, or did you kind of get a sense of like, oh, this seems like a little bit more flying than normal? Oh, no, it was, it was horrible. It was horrible. I did not adjust uh, well at all, because it's like, well, we were, I was two, so I don't remember that Mm -hmm. one. But then when I was like six, 
we we moved back but then my I didn't realize my parents were getting divorced I didn't realize I was moving away with my dad and not my mom and like leaving behind my mom so I ended up moving back and forth because I was going living with my dad and then I went to live with my mom when my dad got remarried because I didn't take that very well and then mm-hmm. I ended up, my mom ended up moving back here. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, okay. yeah, just a lot of back and forth. Not good at all. Not good memories. No. Yeah. And so you're in clinical psychology, so you say. Huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Trust me, I did not adjust well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm still dealing with it. In my 30s, yeah, I'm, I'm still sure. dealing with it. <laughs> I would imagine that's got to be like a r- rough sort of imprint on for a kid to do because, like, that's no security. Like, you don't have any, like, grounding, I would feel like, right? I don't know like family I was always with family you know it's one of those things mm-hmm. where, where family was always there but uh, I don't I don't necessarily think that that was I mean family isn't always the healthiest people to be with depends on who sure. it is um but uh yeah it was the the hardest part was that I just I never really liked being in Puerto Rico I still don't mm-hmm. I'm here now and I, I really there, there's a lot of things that I don't like about being here and mm-hmm. I preferred to be over there and it was it was hard to have to come back like as a teenager, like in the middle of high school, we left yeah. where I preferred to live to the one place I didn't want to live. And um, that was, yeah, that, uh, I don't know if it was so much like not feeling, I don't know, I felt like in New Jersey was my home. And then I kept yeah. getting pulled away from there. Yeah, That's rough. Yeah. Yeah. And did you like, um, I would imagine you got kind of depressed over that and like, and anxious and kind of withdrawn I would assume or did you end up going the other route like lashing out and being kind of a troublemaker as a teenager Hmm. so uh, let me see so a few things happened one was that Mm -hmm. when I was a kid I ended up living with my grandparents while my parents were getting divorced and my dad was Mm -hmm. finding a place to live and one of the first things that happened like oh yeah like absolutely super depressed like like actual mm-hmm. depression as a kid and then but one thing that happened that I that I still deal with to this day was that my my grandmother used to basically feed me to cheer me up oh. and that it programmed me in a in a, in yeah. a certain way to deal with um, difficult emotions with food and it's something that I still deal with to this day I I remember I once told my grandmother who's now like 85 I just spoke with her actually before talking to you, um, mm-hmm. and a few years ago I saw her. And well, when I was younger, I told her, you know, like it's your fault that I'm overweight because you fed me every time something wasn't bad. And now when she sees me as a, as an adult, she's like, oh, whose fault is it now? And I'm like, I, I still think it's kind of your fault, but uh, but thanks a lot, Grandma. <laughs> she's not very empathetic at all. <laughs> <laughs> that's the best worst thing I've ever heard. Oh, <laughs> it's amazing. Grandmas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, you, you said you went to school out there or here in the state, like college, I mean. Um, yeah, I ended up doing college, um, at least undergrad, I ended up doing it in Puerto Rico. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you were, was your undergrad psychology as well? No, or no, no. no. Uh, was I, was, I studied engineering. So oh, really? I was engin- an engineer for a few years. And then halfway mm-hmm. through that, I hated it, hated it. Yeah. So um, I was doing like my work was paying for school. So I was like, mm-hmm. and but the only thing they would pay for was to get an MBA. And uh-huh. I was like, all right, I'll, I'll do an MBA. And then halfway through, they stopped paying. They were like, sorry, like we ran Ooh. out of funds. We're not going to pay for schooling anymore. And I, and, mm-hmm. and I had the choice. I was like, oh, I'm not going to pay for an MBA. I never wanted an MBA to begin with. This is boring. <laughs> So yeah. um, I, I really wanted to change. So I ended up going to counseling. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I also went to counseling. But what I meant to say was, <laughs> what I meant to say was that I studied counseling uh, as a. I did a master's in counseling. So I left my MBA halfway through and then went to uh-huh. to do my master's in, in mental health counseling. And mm-hmm. uh, because I was like, if I'm going to pay for what I'm studying, I, I want to pay for something that I, I want to do. And I was always interested in psychology as a, as yeah. an, as a, in, in high school. And it's what I wanted to study in college, but I was uh, vehemently discouraged from doing so to the point where I was like, fine, I'll study engineering. Mm-hmm. I'll do that. 
Um, by whom were you discouraged and why? By every adult in my life. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, pretty much. No. I mean, I think that that idea is is still around, right? Like, if you're gonna like, yeah. you're gonna you're gonna be poor if you're a like be a medical doctor. Don't be a psychologist, you know. Yeah. Uh, don't be yeah, don't be yeah. a therapist. What are you What are you doing? I've never met a yeah. well off therapist, and mm-hmm. uh, they're out there, but they're <laughs> they, most of them are not. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I. I once you know, I was more in control of what I could do, uh, mm-hmm. or I and when I stopped listening to people, then I chose to to get that master's. No. Yeah, that's really that's really wonderful. And um, you started podcasting, and how did you fall into that? And what's your story there? So, so I know we're on a podcast, and and yes. and uh, so I. I guess I don't have to apologize for like romanticizing podcasting, but I think podcasting is the best. I love podcasting. <laughs> and, yes. Yes. Uh, I don't. I don't remember. I think the first podcast I listened to was like ten years ago. It was a video mm-hmm. game podcast. I don't know. I, I fell in love. But uh, I was I was still an intern in my mental health counseling program, and mm-hmm. I I wanted to uh, work with video games and at, at a clinic that I was at. I was like, oh, all these kids are constantly talking about video games and superheroes and things like mm-hmm. that. I was like, I speak their language. Um, what if we integrated video games into some of the treatment plans we were doing, and group work and things like that? So I talked to my supervisor. She said, no, absolutely not. We're not going to do that. <laughs> we're not using video games. And uh, it, as an act of rebellion, I went home and I created a website called Geek Therapy where I was just collecting uh-huh. news articles talking about how people were using comic books and video games for, for good, you know, to help people. And I did that for a while. And then one of the articles uh, that, I, that I found, there was somebody who I found really interesting. And I had, I had emailed this person. I was going to go. This person was in Charlotte and I was going to go to Charlotte for something. And I ended up contacting the person. I was like, what if I interviewed this person? And I started a podcast. So that's what I did. I started interviewing people who I felt were uh, combining their really geeky interests with their primarily mental health work, but not just uh, mental health work. And, and yeah, that was like seven or eight years ago now. Wow. Yeah. That's really, really great. Yeah. And I think this, that the thing you kind of keyed in on of like, people do use I think media and specifically it feels like video games as a weird way of coping sometimes specifically if you're anyway hyperactive like all the people I know that have like ADHD symptoms love video games in a way that is completely different than other people yeah I'm, I'm uh, one of those people and it's yeah. a you know diagnosis of ADHD and I love video games mm-hmm. and the truth is that like life can't compete sometimes with the yeah. with, you know with, with what you get from a video game Life needs to step up its game because yeah. <laughs> video games are just way more engaging and more fun and more challenging, you know, in all the areas that yeah. someone with ADHD, not all people with ADHD, but many of us, you know, that yeah. like we need that blood flow in certain parts of our brain and most daily activities just don't do it or they don't have the variety yeah. and the novelty to, to keep us uh, engaged and to feel good, right? The video game makes us feel good because we almost feel normal when we're, when we're playing video games. Yeah, I I absolutely agree. And for me, it's always like a sensory thing of like, um, there's so much going on and there's so many bright colors and flashes in a a video game that it occupies my mind and it kind of like makes it a net zero, Mm -hmm. Yeah, if that makes sense. And I've I've always really, really engaged on that level and that's why I'm not good at like... (laughs) role-playing games i'm like i'm bored i need to move through the dialogue really quickly <laughs> well it's fun and that's it's funny of, you say that because um some yeah. final fantasy games that have come out over the years right rpgs classic yeah. rpgs mm-hmm. now there have been they've been re-released and when mm-hmm. they're re-released they come with a 2x 3x or 4x option so you can <laughs> so not only can you move through all the dialogue faster you can move through the battles faster you can like you can play the whole game oh. on fast forward that's amazing and that's how i, I want to play them that's exactly how yeah, I need a- to play them. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. That makes so much yeah. sense, and that also that um, that that tracks. And so now, geektherapy.com is now th- the same website that you found, but now your podcast is a little different, or is it just pe- you interviewing people still? Oh no, it's so different. <laughs> I can't, I can't, okay, I ch- <laughs> I've changed things over the years so many times. Um, okay. Right now, the original Geek Therapy podcast we call it GT Radio, and it's uh, four of us every week. Um, kind of touching mm-hmm. on that idea of like geek, geek culture for social good, and mm-hmm. but the the most exciting thing is that we've we've branched out into a network. So 
oh, wow. over the years there's been a big community that's formed so mm-hmm. we have like a, an active facebook group we have a discord we have a forum now mm-hmm. and we have lots of other members who are also like interested in the same things and have their own ideas and i've encouraged a lot of people to make their own stuff or create their own stuff and now we have a whole network of podcasts and blogs that are all you know like i, th- I think we we can we all understand that we're connected in some way that we all have something in common and so that that's the most exciting part to have other voices yeah. on the network and I, I branched out like two podcasts from the main podcast over time but other people are there too and it's so great to have something connected to that original idea that i have or that i had and then but not i don't have to make it you know other people are making yeah. it so i can just tune in like a yeah. I, I made something that didn't exist that i wanted to hear and now other people are doing it and they're doing it with me and it's the <sighs> best feeling in the world yeah that sounds wonderful yeah. i envy that and that's incredible and i'm congratulations on that that's really great thanks man. yeah yeah um that's really cool and i think what's really cool about that whole idea as well with like specifically with like um pop culture nerd culture whatever you want to call it of like that should that could easily be a touchstone for people who are neurotypical or don't know that they're suffering from a mental illness of like, well, I like this character because of these reasons, and then that can easily make someone else self-reflect or at least connect with someone over art and culture, which is really, really positive and really, really powerful. So that sounds great. Basically, good, good, good idea. Well executed. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. And that's like the biggest part of it, right? It's It was oh. telling people, hey, you know, you felt something when you played that game or when you saw that movie or you read that comic book. Yeah. Like let's talk about that let's talk about why that was and i think mm-hmm. that we can learn so much i mean i'm willing to say that we can learn more from fiction than we can from from fact <laughs> right we can yeah. see these stories and then we see ourselves and we see different things and we i don't know just maybe just because we're so engaged we're able to really feel what's going on in that story yeah. and then understand things that we wouldn't be able to understand otherwise and and you know over the years i i used to only talk about how a therapist could really capitalize on that but I've been I've become much more flexible in that and and I don't think that going to therapy is the answer to all mental health issues you know and and here in the US there's it's it's almost impossible right for mm-hmm. for most people to get treatment you know or and yeah. and and to get good treatment you know like a long term or anything like that or, or to make sure that they're they're okay some people might get a check-in every now and then but it's really in the US it's so hard and just the idea that, you know, maybe you felt something, maybe that means something, maybe we can learn a little bit about ourselves from the things that we like. I think it, it goes mm-hmm. a long way. And it could be a teacher that capitalizes on that. Or it could be somebody, you know, who just learns to do that on their own. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, it feels very similar. And I don't mean to like talk about myself too much in as much as this is your episode, but there, I do a video series called Mental Health in the Media where I look at pieces of media and I go, how is this applicable to like, mental health and the two I've done is one about Stranger Things and how the community rallies around those kids it, well, Will Bryce specifically in the same way that we should ar- rally around people with mental health issues and then the other one is Last Jedi and talking about trauma but I think you can get I, I agree with, with the thing you said of like when you don't know facts fiction can speak to you in a way mm-hmm. that is so much you can communicate so much quicker and easier and it's really powerful stuff and it is like how do i put this um i i mean that's for me that's why like art exists is to communicate with other people like communicate an idea that is a metaphor to another person because that's all feelings are they're metaphors that we are more aware of i guess you know yeah 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 um but Talking briefly, like you, you mentioned you're you're a counselor, mm-hmm. and I assume you're you're doing some counseling in Puerto Rico and also here in the U.S. Right? I used to. Right now, I'm not licensed. Okay. When I came back to Puerto Rico mm-hmm. less than a year ago, I uh, I didn't uh, get my license again because I was doing mm-hmm. more. I've been doing a lot of coaching um, too, sure. which which coaching I love because it's people are coming into coaching because they want to achieve something there's a goal that they want to get to yeah and many times it's it's the same issues right it's the same mental health Mm -hmm. issues but 
it's not like you weren't forced to go there. You weren't mandated. It wasn't, you know, it's like people who, who don't like what they're going through. Maybe they don't meet the, the diagnosis for a disorder. And that doesn't mean that they can't get help also, you know? And yeah. uh, so, so coaching is, is, is a lot of fun, but yeah, but over the years I've been, I've been doing a lot of, uh, I, I want to use educational technology to kind of fill mm-hmm. the gaps in mental health treatment that exist. So podcasting is one part of that, but there's like a, a bigger um, picture that I see where we can use a lot of training and interactive media to, to help people get from, like if you put um, like getting better on a spectrum, <laughs> there's so yeah. many points on that spectrum. Yeah. And it yeah, isn't yeah, like, yeah. oh, you go to therapy and then that's it. That's not it. Like therapy is such a small part of it. And there's so many things yeah. in between. And that's something that I've been focusing on over the years. And that has included like working in educational technology, working in education and mm-hmm. working in media to kind of bring all those things together. Yeah. Yeah. I really agree with that. That it's just one stop because it also is like you have to be very careful with the media you consume. You have to be very careful with like. Because, like, for example, like, I remember I started watching Breaking Bad. I got two seasons in. And I was like, no, this is making me actively depressed. I need to not watch the show, even though it's very, very good. And, like, it's not just the one thing, and you can use it to better other parts of it. But the question I was going to get to is um, what is the difference of the reception of the idea of a counselor or a therapist in the U.S. versus in somewhere like Puerto Rico? Or do you, do you have anything to speak on that? Sure. So, um, actually, I'll say one thing in general, right? The idea of a counselor okay. or, a, or a therapist, right? The like most um, mental health practitioners in the U.S. are mm-hmm. are either social workers, counselors, marriage and family therapists, right? They're not they're not um, clinical psychologists, right? Like the grand majority of them are are counselors. So I love it when people are talking about people going to therapy or people seeing a counselor or a social worker or a marriage and family therapist and being more specific about it. Um, in the United States, in, in Puerto Rico, it's the same. I mean, it's all the same laws, all the same things as the U.S. So there's really no difference. Um, in every single state, the story is different regarding uh, the different professions. So, for example, California was the last state, even later than Puerto Rico, to adopt a counseling license. So mm. counselors in California probably have a harder time finding a job or getting um, people to recognize counseling as a profession in California than they do in, in somewhere like uh, I lived in North Carolina for a while. North Carolina, you know, they're going on about 20 years, I think, where the counseling license yeah. is there. So counseling is established. And it's really interesting yeah. to see how in different states and different professions have to deal with uh, different stuff. But in, in Puerto Rico, they've been here for a long time. I don't remember. I don't know exactly how long. Um, I haven't looked into it in a while, but uh, yeah, they seem to be well established and and people recognize, you know, I think, I think that most people who go, they don't care if it's a therapist or a social worker or a clinical psychologist Mm -hmm. or anything like that. But um, yeah, but here it seems to be uh, like people are open to it and there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of Mm -hmm. practitioners ready. Yeah. Yeah. And living in all the different places you have, um, is there like cultural differences that you found of how people treat you once they learn that you're a counselor or a therapist or whatever? Oh, that's interesting. Hmm. You know, um, that's an interesting question. I can't think of any situation that was no. I think it's weird everywhere. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody's like, "Oh, are you psychoanalyzing me now? Oh, are you like?" Suddenly, they start telling you about how much their kids be- misbehaves. You know, in the middle of a summer yeah, yeah, conversation, yeah. I'm like, "Oh, I regret saying what I said." Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to talk about Captain America. Yeah. I didn't want to talk about your kids. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, um, because it is always like you have office hours. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, okay, that's that's interesting. Um, it is kind of treated strangely, I've noticed as well. Like, even here in New York, where people are very open about, like, seeing therapists and that sort of stuff, people are still, like, a little, like, yeah, okay, what's going on there? Um, but was your... Um, when did you... You mentioned your diagnosis of ADHD. And when did you first receive that diagnosis? And what are the treatment... Like, what's the, your... Basically, what's your story there as well? So uh, that diagnosis came when I was 29. I was wow. I was working as a counselor. I had a position where I was leading a team. Um, it was it was a lot of work, but it was it was great. And uh, but I started 
I started doing something that, uh, or something started happening, let me put it this way, because it wasn't me doing it, that has happened mm-hmm. for most of my life, which is I got bored and I started falling asleep. So I would literally <laughs> fall asleep doing my notes for, for my oh, cases no. and reviewing the, the notes from, from my employees. And mm-hmm. I would just fall asleep. I, it, and, and when I say fall asleep, I mean, like, my mom took me to the doctor to see if I was narcoleptic when I was a kid. Wow. Okay? It's like my brain shuts down if it is not stimulated. Okay? It's mm-hmm. like uh, that, that type of, of thing. But when I was a kid, I, I thought, maybe I'm narcoleptic. <laughs> maybe I, mm-hmm. uh, I'm not getting enough nutrition. Maybe I'm not sleeping enough. All these things were things that doctors told me. So when I'm 29, I start falling asleep doing my work. And this is the same thing that's happened to me my whole life. And I'm starting to get anxious because I'm thinking, I can't get my work done. I'm going to get fired. So I started feeling a lot of anxiety. So I was like, okay, I haven't been to my own therapist in a while, right? I haven't been to a therapist in a while. I just moved to North Carolina recently. So I went, I, I went to see a therapist. By the way, the worst therapist I've ever had in my life, you know, like the worst, <laughs> the worst. Sure. But, uh, but I went like for anxiety, right? I was like, listen, anxiety is my specialty. I know I'm, I'm dealing with yeah. it, but I want somebody to help me out. Let's do this. Mm-hmm. And during that process, um, even though he was like the worst therapist I've ever been to, it was obvious that the anxiety was a symptom of something else, right? Mm-hmm. It was, it was I was feeling anxious because I was falling asleep. So it was like, well, why don't we find out why you're falling asleep? Right. So that's when Mm -hmm. I, I started putting two and two together. I was like, Oh man, I can't believe this. I think I've had ADHD all my life and I had, and I've never been tested. So I went and it was pretty. So actually this is, this is a, an interesting story. I'm, I'm going to share the whole thing yeah. because this is a mental health uh, podcast. So go for so it. So I, I go, I leave that guy. And I'm like, okay, send me to somebody who is an expert in ADHD. I want to go get tested. So I go and I get tested. And this, the first person I go to, she says, I don't think you have ADHD, but I think you have binge eating disorder. So, mm. and which feels like, like when you go to get your like oil changed on your car and you come out with like, <laughs> like your brake yeah. fluids flushed and like all this other stuff. And you're like, what, 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 that's not what I came here for. Why did you do that? <laughs> and, and that's a whole other conversation, but, but it goes into what I said earlier, right? About how, when I was a kid, my, my, mm-hmm. my grandma just like fed me to make me feel better. So food is like just so connected, um, uh, for me so that happened and I was like okay but then I disagreed and then I talked to other psychologists and I was like look read this report read this report that she wrote and then basically in her report she said that she ignored everything that my family and friends had said because I had to like give them um, these interviews and they all said like oh yeah he, he mm-hmm. like falls asleep all the time probably when he's bored blah 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 things like that and she completely ignored all that like she she put she put down the like uh, like the ki- like the reports weren't uh, strong enough something like that like okay and yeah. then she said like oh no he seemed to be like engaged and active in the during the test now have you ever had one of these tests done yeah yeah um I've had a couple of couple. them like the personality quiz thing um yeah. so so like, the ADHD ones like they're they're yeah. puzzles like she had me playing with blocks so oh, I'm wow. like into it i'm like boom 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 boom, yeah. like putting them together i'm like did I, did I break a record like what are we doing here like, give me another one <laughs> so i'm really into it so she's like oh yeah this this guy doesn't sure. have adhd so i went somewhere else where they had different types of testing and then they were able to mm. uh, some of them were electronic so they're like oh yeah like look at your attention just like falls off a cliff right so they were yeah. like oh yeah no like no doubt this is so i went to an adhd specialist who who said that i did not have uh, adhd but again but like i got mm-hmm. a second opinion and um and in retrospect, I think it's pretty, pretty obvious now. Um, yeah. Yeah. But then after that, it's like, well, I was a counselor. I worked at a clinic and uh, 25% of the staff got laid off. I was one of the newest people. We got laid off. Wow. I opened my own practice. And over the years, I've had um, different, like I've started businesses. I had my own practice. I've moved. So mm-hmm. because I had to change health insurance so, uh, so often, or I didn't have health insurance because I was like starting my own business or something like that, or just moving, I've never really gotten treatment for it. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like legitimate, like yeah. I've never gone to an ADHD coach. I've never gone mm-hmm. like for, I, I, I was on medication for a while, but because of the health insurance issue over time, um, yeah. I, yeah, I've, I've been, I haven't been on medication for a long time. 
Yeah. Um, now and I need it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry to hear yeah, that. Yeah. I cannot help you. I am not a doctor. Um, but uh, you, I've talked to a few people about like get it, who got who have gotten diagnoses later in life, and did that put so much clarity on who you you had been for most of your life? Blew my mind. I was like, it's so yeah. obvious now. Because literally, I slept yeah. through high school, I slept through college, <laughs> and I slept through like half of every job I, I, I've ever had until like wow. in the last couple of years. Where, because, yeah. so ADHD is, is there's actually a, a book that I really like called, um, called the, I think it's The Seven Types of ADHD by uh, Daniel mm-hmm. Lehman. And basically he's like, okay. listen, like ADHD is this big cluster, but yeah. he recognizes different that you can be very different with ADHD within it, right? But he finds like these seven or eight different clusters within uh, people who receive the diagnosis, and I'm and and I agree with that because if you meet different people at ADHD, you like you see different uh, different types, and yeah. uh, definitely mine was like like I was passing out, like my attention just went. It was it's, it's the weirdest thing. Like I still just like turn off. So like I mentioned over the years, I haven't been able to get a lot of medication, but there are things like there are adjustments, right? Like I work in mental health, right? Like I used to help people with this all the time. So I've tried to avoid as much as possible jobs and tasks that I know would be difficult for me to accomplish, you know? So, sure. so like when I was teaching, I, I was into it, right? Like you're standing up like mm-hmm. you're doing a million things at a time like your mind is racing like that's the type of work that I can do really well if and it's one of the reasons why I haven't like when I came back to Puerto Rico I didn't get my license because well licensure is like weird in, in different states and I had to like be an intern again when I had my own practice before I was like you know what if I have to do that the paperwork is going to be like this type and I'm going to be in the same situation I was in before and I don't I don't want to have to do that and I don't want to have to take medication just to do the job, to do this job that I know is going to be so complicated. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm doing other types of work that's way more creative, and I f- I'm I'm like steady, right? I'm I'm yeah. I'm I'm in my element when I'm doing things that are way more creative uh, than you know, like just doing paperwork. Yeah. That absolutely makes sense. Yeah. Um, you mentioned an ADHD coach. Mm-hmm. Um, what is that? I've never heard of that before. Oh, so let's say um, you've been diagnosed with ADHD, right? And then mm-hmm. there are people who are experts in just helping you get your uh, get get stuff done, organize yourself. Mm-hmm. Like really, like there's so many aspects um, of of like ADHD affects so many different aspects of your life, and there's so many things that we can do to help us deal with it right it's like stop stop trying to do what everybody else is doing like let's look at how it affects you and there are ways that, uh, around that um and so an adhd coach works in just a very practical sense with you right it is not mm-hmm. and i mean and that's actually a part of counseling right for adhd that's a big part of it because you're treating right these are all symptoms of it and you're trying to uh improve your your daily life and and yeah. so that's a big part of counseling. But by going to an ADHD coach, you're you're probably you know this is something that isn't covered by insurance. If you don't have insurance, right? Maybe you just want to talk to somebody who's an expert in it and is just gonna like get all up in your business and help you like you know in in the most minute details. It could be scheduling mm-hmm. stuff on your phone, like putting whiteboards in different places, like whatever it is that you need. There are people who are experts in in helping you manage that and just that. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of sounds similar to something like CBT only with ADHD. Is that kind of comparable? Um, n- or no? No, because um, okay. Think think of the ADHD coaching as a service. So okay. even even as when I was a licensed therapist, I could like someone could come to me and say, "Listen, I just have ADHD. I'm dealing with this, this, this. I want just like four sessions of coaching. You know, mm-hmm. ADHD coaching. We're not treating anything in particular, right? And it's a different mindset too, right? It's like, I'm not treating your disorder. I'm just helping you live your life and, and yeah. maximize things. So think of the coaching again, just as a service. There could be someone who's just a coach and is, is specialized in that, but it could also be somebody who is clinically trained and is just providing that as a service, which is something that happens mm-hmm. uh, very often also. Okay. So it's like, not a, you don't have to be a certified uh, therapist or counselor to do coaching, but you do for cognitive behavioral therapy exactly. and things like that. Yep, yep, yep. Okay, yep. cool. Um, and you said you specialize in anxiety, um, and is I know Ali does as well. 
and he and I had a when we were talking it's be, a lot of it is because he is so anxious and is that something that drove you to that as well or was it the opposite I think it's just the type of clients that I was working with Okay. Um, it's just something that that's the practice that I had. And that is what mm-hmm. it just um, and my training was very well suited for that. Mm-hmm. And the truth is that most people that came to see me were it was because of some sort of anxiety. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And would you say that's typical of how you choose your speciality or is that um, just kind of happenstance for you or do most folks? kind of just fall into their specialities regarding therapy i think i think most people probably fall into it and and in the sense it's like it could be when you're an intern it could be in your first year and then you found something that you just enjoyed working with you know as Mm -hmm. as twisted as it may sound like i enjoyed working with anxiety it was something that was easy for me to help people with it was like it was it was uh, i felt that I was effective at helping people understand why they were feeling anxiety and how to deal with it and how to get better in that area. And that feeling, like me feeling good about it, made me want to double down on it. So I got additional training. And then when cases came in that were more related to anxiety, they might be assigned to me. But it depends on everyone's situation, right? Because depending on where you're working, if nobody's coming in for anxiety, like I know people who like they, they started working with a few people who, you know, uh, had eating disorders and then they just fell in love with, with that mm-hmm. part of it. And then they chose to kind of stick with that when they either went into private practice or something else. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of, of eating disorders, did you seek treatment or is that something you've just kind of done yourself because you do have like how two questions. One, what's your um, experience with, like um, the binge eating disorder sort of thing that that woman try um, kind of gave you that thing to think about, and then also how much counseling does a therapist do on themselves? So two very good questions. So do I have any clinical experience with eating disorders? No, I've always felt that eating that food and I had a very complicated relationship, and I. I do not. I never worked with anyone who had an eating disorder. You know, I would refer them to someone else. It was something that I never felt comfortable uh, dealing with. But it was because I felt like I couldn't handle it. I couldn't handle my own. So I didn't Mm -hmm. feel like I should be helping anybody else with it. Now, a part of me also believes that, like, you can be, like, old and fat and still coach a winning basketball team right just you can't do what your (laughs) players are doing but you know how to do it right and and i think that that's very true in mental health a lot of therapists have certain issues that they have it's difficult for them just like it's difficult for their clients and just because you know how to do it and you know how to help people doesn't mean that you're able to do it also also like doing it without support right like assuming that you can help Mm -hmm. your clients is is fantastic but assuming that you can do it without support like your clients have is probably, you know, like not a good way to go. So it's something that I've never worked with clinically a lot. And it's something that I've never pursued treatment for. So I'm like most people mm-hmm. who don't get treatment for yeah. most things. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is that uh, is that due to some sort of you think you have a handle on it or is it due to like it is like quote unquote like a woman's disease to have an eating disorder is there any sort of like do you feel any sort of shame or any sort of weirdness surrounding that no no i've um it's definitely not just a a woman's disease um yeah i've never felt anything like that uh a part of part of it is again like treatment is expensive sure and your insurance has to cover it and it's uncomfortable, right? Like as much as I advocate for mental health treatment, I mean, I advocate for a lot of stuff um, that, that helps with mental health, but I also advocate for therapy. Uh, but like, yeah. black, I completely understand. When somebody comes to me and they came and they weren't forced by a parent, a loved one or the court system, I uh-huh. know that that was a huge step, you know? Because, yeah. because it is hard to ask for help. It is hard to to just get support sometimes you know and yeah. and so for me it's been a couple of different things for me it's so i i believe that binge eating disorder is kind of controversial in the sense that sure. even 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 though i received that diagnosis right like like so what is a diagnosis diagnosis is was whatever in the dsm 
right? Mm-hmm. And that means some people decided that it's a diagnosis, so so now it is. And someday they could decide that it's not. That's what a yeah. diagnosis is, right? So setting that aside, um, I definitely struggle with food, but I understand that when I'm well, like when I'm in the middle of something creative, when I'm in the middle of an activity, an activity that I'm, that I'm into, when I have a job that I like, when my finances are in order, like when my life is okay, yeah. mm-hmm. I don't deal, I don't struggle with, with the food, you know? Yeah. So there are other areas of my life that I've always tried to focus on and not that one. And it may be, I may be wrong. I may be, it may be the other way around. I may need to probably address the food first and then work on other things. I don't know. I don't think so. It's possible. I'm open mm-hmm. to that possibility. But I've never focused on that first, you know? Yeah. I fo- yeah. Uh, I'm like, I'm worried about all this other stuff, and I'm eating because I'm worried. Yeah. So why don't I address the stuff that I'm worried about <laughs> first? Yeah, yeah, that that absolutely makes sense. And it's kind of like, um, you know, how people get si- situationally depressed. Like, they're in a bad place, so they get depressed, and then they go to seek treatment for depression rather than fixing what their life is like. And it is like treating symptoms rather than the underlying cause which i think it's smarter to like and if you know it's a symptom of other things going on then i think that's you don't sound off base to me so (laughs) it's what i'm saying but i I I don't know the last time i was at um a therapist working on depression i was working as an Mm -hmm. engineer and Mm -hmm. and you know my therapist told me hey listen you know we've been working together for a while and what i think is that if you choose to stay at that job that you're at you're going to need medication. So I'm going to refer you to a psychiatrist. And I was Uh like, wait a minute. You're right. I don't have to stay at this job. So, but not everybody has that luxury, you know? Yeah. And, and so, so I quit instead of Mm -hmm. going to psychiatrist, I chose to leave my job. And that is not always the answer. (laughs) That is not always the answer (laughs) at all, you know? Um, But in that moment, that's, that's where, that's where my head was at. And it's also like, Mm -hmm. I'm also pretty impulsive, so that's like kind of. I was <laughs> like, oh, sh- no, I'm just. I do hate this job. You know what? I don't. I don't. Yeah. I don't want to like take medication just to tolerate something that I hate anyway. Yeah. Wow. So yeah. So I'm gonna quit, and I did. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. And have you had any other? And that was the last time you were dealing with like depressive issues. Yeah. Um. No, that's the last time I was in treatment no. for it. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, yeah. How, how often does that crop up, and is it from like not feeling fulfilled when your your mind is going? Like, I feel like a lot of people of ADHD who get depressed is because their their mind is overflowing all the time, and they get bummed out because of that. Is that the case? Do you think? Man, it's it's co- depression is complicated sure. because it okay. it presents so differently. Like, there's there's definitely a spectrum, mm-hmm. right? And, mm-hmm. and I can tell you what it feels like for me to feel depressed, but that may not be the same thing as, as when you feel depressed, right? Mm-hmm. I can tell you that when I feel depressed is when I start feeling hopeless, you know, when things, when nothing goes my way, you know, when I'm, I'm trying to do things and I'm not succeeding. Like that, that type of feeling of like, is, is, is nothing, why is nothing going right? You know, like why aren't things going yeah. well? Uh, why is everything a struggle? Why does everything have to be so hard? That's that's my depression. Yeah. Um, that's my depression usually. Yeah. Then my anxiety yeah, sounds- is like, what am I going to do now that nothing's going well? Oh my god, I can't pay my rent. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's just like a, it's um, my, one of my friends calls it the devil's donut. Um, <laughs> They're connected. Is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so it sounds like most of your depression is like situational stuff and. You mentioned earlier, like, going through your parents' divorce and that sort of thing, really. Um, was that the first time that you felt depressed, or was what did it go further? I mean, I guess that happened when you were two. So Well, well, well they got right? divorced when I was six, and that's, yeah, that's pretty okay. much when it started. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. And so you've been living your entire life with that. Oh, yeah. 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 And, like, I recognize it, right? Like, now as an adult and mm-hmm. after, like, clinical training and years of experience and, and all that kind of stuff just like personal experience and professional experience, like you start, you start noticing it, you know, like I can have a conversation with my girlfriend. I'm like, listen, I'm not feeling great right now. So I might be a little irritable. So I I apologize ahead of time. (laughs) Like, please bear with me. Um, I'm feeling really (laughs) down. 
Mm-hmm. You're going to see that I'm probably going to go out for ice cream because I, that's, that's my coping mechanism. You know, mm-hmm. I know it's not right, but it's the easiest thing right now. Um, it'll get mm-hmm. me to, you know, to the next part of the thing that I need to do. Like, this is what's going on. This is how I feel. Please bear with me. Um, yeah. you know, and there's like, the, not everybody is able to, um, be so self-aware or have like such a like what I'm describing right now is probably really good communication with your partner. <laughs> um, yeah. 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 But I would say you can learn both of those things. Yeah. And yep. Yep. that they're both skills and I think a lot of people don't really realize that and you can talk to specifically professionals to go, Oh, I'm more self aware and oh, when I'm feeling this way I should tell people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like that that's the biggest thing of like I've always my entire life just wanted to give people some sort of context for my own personality. So when I act strangely, they're like, oh, okay, that's, he's having a weird day, but that's okay. You know, it's just beneficial um, for everybody if we did that. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to yeah. do that, but it'll probably be easier for all parties involved. <laughs> absolutely. I absolutely 100% agree. Um, and you've mentioned a few times, like, when you're at your happiest, you're doing something creative. And kind of at the heart of this program is disgusting disgusting (laughs) is discussing (laughs) um how like mental health impacts the arts and how the intersectionality between that and do you think art is a good i mean i feel like we kind of already answered this a little bit but how much of art do you think is a coping mechanism and for you specifically and for people in general yeah man uh it's I think I think comic books are art, right? I think books are art, right? Yeah. I consider it all, and I think that those are those are things that help people a lot, you know. Sometimes just yeah. to bear with the weight of the world. Sometimes it's great too. And I don't, um, I don't like the term like escapism. I like the sure. idea that you're just taking a break, recharging a battery, mm-hmm. and then coming back, right? Because yeah, because that's that's really what it is, right? I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch that movie and I'm gonna recharge my batteries a bit. I need a break from thinking or doing this. But I'm, I'm coming back because, you know, we have to. And yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so I think that it's very helpful in that sense. But I think when I was a kid, my – like, I love the word creativity. I love, Like, my, my girlfriend's a designer, and she studied art. And so yeah. now – now after all these years I love like telling her like I'm creative too you know you know because <laughs> because I was an engineer I was technical like for mm-hmm. me these things like it was not that wasn't appreciated but then over the years there's so many times that I've been able to do things where I understand that they are creative pursuits and and I it feels great to create it feels great to um, have a vision you know and try to make it a reality it's it's there's something so empowering about that. It just feels really good. And again, it depends on the people uh, on, on, on each person. But for me, definitely, uh, I think that was missing for a large part of my life. And I mm-hmm. really appreciate it now when I'm older. And I love the, you know, my jobs rarely gave me the opportunity to be my own person, to to put a piece of myself in the work that I was doing. And so I had to create those opportunities for myself. And like over the years, even though over the past, like I started podcasting seven, eight years ago, during that time, there have been times when I was unemployed. There were times when I was, you know, in the middle of moving or, or I mentioned I was laid off from one place. You know, during those times, my creative pursuits like really helped me. Like those were fulfilling, you know, and I yeah. never let them go. So they've been really yeah. helpful for me. Yeah, that absolutely makes sense. And it's also something you can come just come back to, something that you know will be there and it's a steady thing. You know when a lot of the time when Hurricane Maria hit Puerto Rico, the yeah. the thing that affected me the most was that I couldn't podcast. You know? And that's like that's my thing, right? And for for me, for me podcasting is like I run a website and I run social media accounts mm-hmm. and I do artwork for every episode, you know, and I do all of these different things, right? That that I did not learn in engineering or mental health school, <laughs> right? There are things that yeah. I love to do that I learned to do on my own and that I enjoy mm-hmm. doing every week. And then like I had no electricity and then I had Ugh. no communication, you know, after yeah. uh, people forget that two weeks before hurricane Maria, we had hurricane Irma. Mm-hmm. And after hurricane Irma, I was without power for about four days. 
And yeah. I actually recorded a podcast episode between Hurricane Irma and Maria. And I did a mm-hmm. double ender. Like I recorded my own audio on a, on a portable recorder, talking to someone over the phone because we didn't have internet. Like I did all these things while, you know, in in the dark, you know, I did all these things. And yeah. it, it was the greatest feeling. That may be my favorite <laughs> episode that I've ever done because against all odds, I still made it happen. And it felt yeah. so good. But then, of course, after that, Maria came, and then boom, three months without <laughs> without <laughs> without um, any any way to record. And then, mm-hmm. yeah, of course, after that experience, I've come back like swinging, right? Like I I, I do yeah. even more of it now. Like it just reinvigorated mm-hmm. me because I don't want to lose that again, you know. No. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I think a, kind of a, a feeling or an idea that you're keying in on is like art and creativity is like both physically in the case of the the hurricane and then also in the case of like life is uh, art is like a bright light it's a speck of hope in when you even when your surroundings aren't necessarily great and I think that's really important and and of course like I I understand too like the anytime I go on a vacation three days in I'm like I need to be doing something (laughs) so (laughs) like I understand I know that Hurricane Maria isn't exactly a vacation, but I can understand that anxiety and that willingness to, like, I moved back to Minnesota for about two years from New York, and when I came back to New York, I was like, all right, I'm going to do this now. No no second guessing, no pussyfooting around. I'm going to just go and do it. So I can understand that a lot as well. And, um, yeah, um, do you think that you're a better, going back a little bit, do you think you're a better communicator because you're uh, a counselor and you've you've helped people learn to communicate better? I'd like to think so. <laughs> One of the first books yeah. that I read um, as part of my master's program was called The First Interview. And mm-hmm. it was about interviewing people and getting information from them. Like, like in mental health, you always have that intake process, right? You yeah. want to learn as much as possible in those first couple hours so that you can actually, you know, get to know the person. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, so I think, and, and also as someone who is very shy their whole life, then mm-hmm. to be put in that position where I had to talk to people, um, and and I found out I love doing it, and I love doing it one on one in a in a big group of people. Yeah. I, 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 I I don't function as well, but one on one, I'm like I'm like, I don't know. I think I think all that has helped me be a better communicator in the sense that I'm genuinely curious, and yeah. so I like to ask a lot of questions. Um, I think that's a podcaster trait, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so that helps a lot. And I don't know, like you're, you're also you're asking me questions about things that I know, and things that I talk yeah. about often. And sure. And along the way, I learned like, oh yeah, I sucked at communicating in college because I was talking about things that I had I didn't know. You sure. know, nobody asked me about things that I about things that I enjoyed. Nobody asked me about mm-hmm. things that I care about. You know, you and I are talking about things that were were. Like we're passionate about, we have podcasts yeah. about these things, right? So yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I'd like to think that I'm I've become a better communicator. But there's like again that understanding that oh yeah, if I'm talking about what I know, it's a, there's a huge difference. Mm-hmm. I'm okay sure, at this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think everyone is more anxious when they're like kind of just talking out of their ass. I I absolutely agree. Yeah. And like, um, but we're we're getting close to the hour mark, and so I'm gonna just kind of wrap up with a couple of questions and the main one is since you run this website that is so um culture and as therapy what is your favorite property as like self-care what do you like the most oh man okay oh tristan that's so hard because it (laughs) it changes over time i'm sure but so Maybe this then. We talked about video games for ADHD. What helps with the anxiety and depression? No, no, no. Aspect of uh, I have, I have, I have an answer for the first part, oh, okay. uh, which is okay. uh, Doctor Who is my favorite like yeah. property. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Like conceptually, and it actually mm-hmm. entertains me. I love everything about mm-hmm. it. I relate to that character more than any other character I've ever seen. Um, mm-hmm. It's like it's like I really love the character of Batman because he's. I see myself like I relate to Batman, but he's more aspirational mm-hmm. for me, you know. Sure. Uh, sure. The Doctor's like, like that's me, you know. Like there's so yeah. many things about him. Like I'm, he's playing out a twisted version of my life in all the episodes, or at least that's the way I feel. So I, mm-hmm. I enjoy that a lot, you know. And it's it's, it's a show that not only 
is every episode in a different location or different time period, which talk about novelty, like literally every couple of years, the main actor changes, you know, like it's something yeah. that there's, it's constantly evolving, constantly changing. It's always fresh and new. It it's never felt tired for me. Um, and there, yeah, I could, I could go into it a, a lot, you know, but there, I've, I've also had those uh-huh. moments where I'm like, oh man, like that moment helped me a lot. Or, oh, I understood that because I saw it through, through the eyes of a character on that show. Yeah, yeah. that that's, that all tracks. And I <laughs> agree, it's one of mine as well. I kind of fell off uh, watching it, but I caught up with a couple of um, Capaldi seasons and I really enjoyed him. So good, so good. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so good. Um, and is there any art or media that you recommend that about mental health and mental health issues that you recommend to people? So, so there, there's a game called, mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever talked about it on the show. If you have, I'll, I'll pick something else, but it's called Depression mm-hmm. Quest. I've not heard of this. So Depression Quest is the type of game that is very relevant to this conversation because it was designed to help people who do not know what depression is understand what depression is. I don't recommend that people who have experienced depression or are feeling symptoms of depression at the moment to mm-hmm. to play because it's not going to be it's not meant to be fun period but it's not going to even be <laughs> like like an interesting yeah. experience it's going to be uncomfortable but it's designed sure. for other people to kind of see what it's like so it does really cool things mm-hmm. like you'll see a situation and then you'll have four options but the two mm-hmm. most obvious and most healthy are grayed mm-hmm. out so like you can you can see them as the player but the idea is that mm-hmm. as the character who is dealing with depression those options aren't available to you because mm-hmm. you're just you just don't see them you know it's yeah. things like that it's it's a it's a text um, like interactive fi- fiction but yeah. Uh, I yeah I think it's I think it's amazing yeah yeah I've heard of a kind of similar game called um, Actual Sunlight have you heard of this no no um, it's very similar where you play as this man who is kind of just basically trying to do very simple tasks like put away clothes and like make himself food but you only have so much energy and you have to do it before. You, you know you run out of energy and it's also kind of like it's not a metaphor it is just like this is what depression is like yeah 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 and that sort of thing and i think video games and art as an educational tool for mental health is a really really interesting idea and i would love to know more resources if you want to send them to me and i'll put them in the show notes of like articles or anything like that or i assume they're on your website yeah. We have a whole podcast dedicated to psychology and video games. So, Oh, what is yeah. it? What is it called? Uh, Headshots. Headshots. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you do three, two other ones besides that? Um, so, yeah, so we do GT Radio, um, which is weekly. Mm-hmm. And then um, Headshots is our gaming show, which I'm also on, which is bi-weekly. And then mm-hmm. we just wrapped up a 110-episode season one <laughs> of a <laughs> psychology and technology show called PsychTech. And those are the three that I'm most actively involved in. And then we have other shows on the network as well, which you can find on the website, geektherapy.com. That's wonderful. That's really, really, like, it's really, really awesome, really, really wonderful stuff you're doing and really important. And I'm glad that someone is doing it. And thank you for what you're doing. And there aren't enough people talking about mental health. It's, it's, it's the truth. So I'm glad you're talking about it. I'm glad, you know, people in, in mm-hmm. my network and my community are talking about it. I... Well, one of the things that we're doing right now, or or at least I'm trying to do aggressively, <laughs> is to get people who yeah. even who even have like an inkling, a spark of wanting to mm-hmm. talk about this at all. I'm yeah. I'm helping them set up a podcast. I'm helping them. I'm like setting up a website for them and providing that mm-hmm. support. I'm like trying to eliminate as many technical obstacles as possible and providing the yeah. support so that we can have more voices in this space because people are going to disagree with a lot of things that I said and that's fine but like do it in public so more, more people can can hear different perspectives and different opinions and different experiences because it's so important for us to 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 learn from from each other and if we we don't share their stories we never will yeah I fully agree and I think that is an excellent note to end this on and I want to thank you very much for being on this it's been a pleasure talking to you thank you so much for having me you cannot be down, but you can-